the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Patty Lynn, who's Campaigns Director of Corporate Accountability International. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thanks, Jordan. It's great to be here. Let's just start off with an overall view of what Corporate Accountability International does before we get into some of the details. Sure. Corporate Accountability International is a membership organization, and we wage campaigns that challenge the irresponsible and dangerous corporate actions of corporations around the world. Now, uh, let's, let's go back to basics. Why is this necessary? I mean, corporations, when you look at their annual reports, are always saying about all the socially responsible things they're doing and how they're nice to their employees and their communities. Uh, they certainly put on a good face. Why is this not enough? Well, it's true that especially over the last 10 years or so, as, as the public has become more concerned about the range of abuses um, by transnational corporations, that there's been an increasing amount of public relations around the, the good works that, that our corporations are doing. But you know, the fact of the matter is that there are a whole set of corporations that are engaged in practices that are threatening the environment, people's health and lives on a really broad scale, um, and there's just not enough accountability uh, around their practices. And so campaigns like ours to, to get you know, large numbers of people involved holding corporations accountable for specific practices and, and really calling for change are critical to, to changing the world that we live in. How has uh, your reception from corporate officers uh, changed? You've been in existence for about 30 years now. Is it different now than when it was when you began? Yeah, I think it's different, and it really was a different world in some ways. 30 years ago, uh, we started around the Nestle boycott. So in, in 1977, the original name of our organization was Infact, uh, and we started around a, a local campaign and boycott that grew nationally and then internationally, pressuring Nestle around its really aggressive marketing of infant formula, particularly in the developing world, and the, the just terrible, devastating health impacts that that, that was having. Um, at the time, Nestle was the largest food corporation in the world, and they came to the negotiating table with uh, the grassroots movement that was the leaders of the grassroots movement that was pressuring it. Um, and that was a real milestone in corporate campaigning. And, and they agreed to a set of sweeping reforms. Um, there's important ongoing work to hold Nestle accountable to, to continue to meet those changes. Um, but I think the, you know, part of the difference between then and now is that corporations have just become a lot more sophisticated in their response to campaigns and, and calls for change from activists. And so we need to continue to, uh, you know, to develop our, our toolbox and approach to, to really changing corporate practice as well. Now, is a lot of this done uh, through uh, proxies at, at uh, shareholder meetings and that kind of thing, or is, is it done more, in a more sophisticated way than that today? Well, there's, there's a whole range of, of ways that you know, groups like ours really uh, set out to and, and do change corporate practices. And, and the, you know, the, 
the fundamental question is how can we shift the cost-benefit ratio for a corporation to, to engage in a set of practices uh, because the way corporations are structured, they are structured so that they profit and return profit for their shareholders. Um, and so we need to think of ways to, to really um, shift the, that cost-benefit ratio and to impact the way the corporation can do business. Um, certainly, the direct pressure and you know, the kind of direct challenge um, of the, the CEO and board and shareholders that's possible through a shareholders meeting is one important way to communicate a powerful message to, to a corporation. Uh, but there are a lot of ways to do it. Can you maybe give me an example of two companies in the same industry where one of them is being accountable, uh, you know, and doing the right things as you would see it, and the and other is not, and kind of how that works in the same industry. I mean, take whatever industry would be appropriate in that case. Sure. Um, I think, I mean, from our perspective, when we um, challenge an industry, we look at the, the industry leader um, and then know that, you know, our campaign's can have an impact really throughout an industry. Um, so generally, the corporations that we interact with and, and challenge, our analysis is that they're all sort of doing something you know, very significant to, to harm people in the environment. But there are shades of, of differences and important differences among them. And, and a good example, I think, is with our Think Outside the Bottle campaign. Uh, which is basically it's uh, a public education and action campaign to really pressure the bottled water industry to, to make a set of changes and to build a strong base of public support for strong public water systems here in the U.S. and really um, you know, turn us away from a road of corporations being the entities that are uh, supplying our water. So but with our, our Think Outside the Bottle campaign, we, are, we have three corporate targets that we're calling for, uh, for change from Coke, Pepsi, and Nestle. Um, Coke and Pepsi, they both draw the water for their leading brands from public water systems. Coke's Dasani is drawn from uh, municipal systems, as is Pepsi's Aquafina. Um, in response to our campaign last year, Pepsi has actually made the decision to print on Aquafina labels um, that the, the source for the water was public water systems, which we thought was an important step forward in being upfront with consumers about um, the nature of their, their leading brand. Um, and Coke has yet to, to take that same step and to share information with Dasani consumers that uh, it is also sourced from public water systems. So you're saying that they add nothing to it whatsoever? It's a complete ripoff of the public? It's just, it's just, it's um, the our analysis is that it's a ripoff. They do run it through a filtration system, um, and you know, both corporations will highly tout their, frustra- their filtration system. Um, the reality, though, is, Jordan, that, um, that bottled water is actually, you know, many people through, uh, through Years of really aggressive marketing by the bottled water industry have come to believe that bottled water is somehow safer, healthier, more pure. Um, and that just hasn't been demonstrated. And, and tap water, our public water systems, are actually more highly regulated than, than bottled water. So we just have more information about what's in our, our tap water than what's in bottled water. 
So in the Think Outside the Bottle campaign, what are you asking for? Are you asking for a dissolution of the industry completely, or what are you asking for? We're not. I mean, the, we have some specific things that we're, we're calling on corporations, on the corporations to do. So to reveal the sources of the water that they're bottling, which, you know, Pepsi's making a good step toward. Um, we're also calling on them to, to provide information about breaches in their water quality, comparable to public water systems. Um, and that's really important for us because... You know, our public water systems are required to share information about the quality of, of the water that they're providing. Um, and when there are breaches in water quality, people know. Um, that's just not information that, that consumers have about the bottled water that they're buying. Um, and so in order to really sort of level the playing field, uh, we're calling on them to share more information uh, on their breaches in quality. And then the third thing, which is really fundamental with this issue is also to to stop undermining um, communities and the authority of communities when they're citing and operating bottling plants, um, because this is actually a, an area where Nestle um, is the, the worst actor here in the U.S., um, and their kind of mode of expanding is going into to a local community siting a bottling plant and basically tra- draining you know, huge amounts of water on a daily basis, um, having, in many cases, detrimental uh, local environmental impact. And often, um, they just to run roughshod over community resistance. And so what has been the response of the companies? I, you heard, talked about Pepsi a little bit. What has been the response in the case of Nestle, what you were just talking about, siting bottling plants? Well, you know, Nestle is... Um, is doing a lot of public relations around bottled water. Their, their lead um, you know, case that they make about bottled water is really that in the overall picture of water consumption, they're not using very much. They also have made some, some changes, so they've decreased the amount of plastic in the bottles for some of their brands, uh, which are steps in the right direction, but not really getting to the issue of they're one of the lead players that's really turning our water uh, from a shared common resource into a high-priced commodity. Uh-huh. So they, they haven't responded in any way that's been particularly helpful, you're thinking. And how about local right. communities? When you have local communities where they're putting these bottling plants, I would assume they would see that as a source of jobs and a, and a good thing. Is that changing? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there, there's been a lot of concern from local communities, you know, from from Maine and Massachusetts to, to Michigan and Northern California and, and places across the country where people have been really concerned about the the local impact that these Nestle plants are going to have on their groundwater levels, on their streams, on the traffic that goes in and out of the bottling wa- the water bottling plants. And then, you know, in some cases, even more fundamentally about the, the right to say, you know, this, this is water belongs to our community. Uh, we're here and having a transnational corporation come in drain huge amounts of it and sell it out for a profit. Um, there are some benefits, you know, to, to communities around jobs, um, but often we're not talking about a lot of jobs here. And the, the, another point of contention has been that what Nestle ends up paying for the water that they're draining is really minuscule compared to the profits that they're generating by selling it back out to people. Just so people are aware, what are the brands that Nestle uh, puts this water out under so they'd be familiar with that? Yeah, there's, uh, they actually have a whole list of, of brands that include Poland Spring, Arrowhead, 
Deer Park uh, and probably about eight others. Um, it's actually, there's information on our, our website, which is stopcorporateabuse.org, that gives more detail about Nestle's practices and its brands uh, for people to, to get more information. So you are not against uh, profits by their nature. It's just what, what companies have to do to get them is what you're saying, right? Exactly. We're, we're about um, really protecting people from, from corporate actions that are causing harm. And so, you know, really fundamentally believe that corporations shouldn't be profiting at the expense of, of people's health and lives. So when you look at the history of our campaigns from the Nestle boycott through the tobacco um, industry campaign and now... Uh, working on water, really protecting people in the environment um, from a you know specific set of corporate actions that are causing a great amount of harm. What are some specific steps if people want to get involved with the uh, Beyond the Bottle uh, campaign, thinking outside yeah. the bottle, that, that they can do through your website, or how can people get involved in that? Is something they want to follow up on? Yeah. It's actually, uh, there are a lot of opportunities for people to get involved. It's a great campaign that's basically just spread like wildfire across the country. Uh, the first thing people can do is go to our website, stopcorporateabuse.org, and take the Think Outside the Bottle pledge, which says that they'll opt for public water over bottled water. Um, but then beyond that, people, activists across the country are you know, getting their cities and towns to stop spending city uh, money on bottled water contracts, for example, or getting bottled water, you know, out of local restaurants. Um, so there's just there's a whole set of actions, and there are some really great action guides on our website that people can download um, to get more involved in the campaign. And again, that's stopcorporateabuse.org. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Patty Lynn, who's the campaign's director at Corporate Accountability International. Uh, talking about ways to make uh, companies more accountable for their actions. We'll be back after this. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all the time. time. Voice America Business. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. 
All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all all the time. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And my guest this hour is Patty Lynn, who's the Campaigns Director for Corporate Accountability International, uh, which is an organization based in Boston to make uh, corporations more accountable in various ways. Welcome back to the show, Patty. Thanks, Jordan. Let's talk about tobacco, which is certainly another big area that you're in, in, uh, active in. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the campaigns and what are some of the abuses of tobacco companies that you're trying to stop? Sure. We have been working on challenging big tobacco for, for a number of years now. And you know, our, our fundamental concern with the, the tobacco industry is that tobacco kills 5.4 million people around the world every year. So, so over 5 million people are dying from tobacco-related illness. Um, it is a highly addictive pro- product that is most often marketed to children and young people. Um, and so the combination of you know, aggressive marketing targeted at kids and young people with a highly addictive and ultimately deadly product is just absolutely unconscionable. Um, and so our, our campaign is calling on the tobacco industry to you know, stop advertising to kids um, and then to stop interfering in public health policy because one of the, one of the ways that we have you know, tracked over the years that big tobacco gets away with um, the whole range of abuses that it, it does is by undermining attempts to, to regulate the industry here in the U.S. and around the world. So uh, there was apparently a, a meeting in South Africa recently where there was a treaty. What, what happened uh, with that affecting tobacco? Well, it was an exciting meeting, and the, the quick background on it is that um, over the last few years, countries around the world have come together uh, and negotiated and adopted a global tobacco treaty. It's called the Framework Convention uh, on Tobacco Control. The World Health Organization really led the process, but you know, governments from around the world uh, decided that the tobacco epidemic was just simply too costly in terms of, of human life and also the increasing health costs around the world. Um, and so came together and, and negotiated a very powerful treaty uh, that has provisions from you know, banning tobacco advertising promotion and sponsorship to requiring really significant labeling um, on tobacco products of the danger caused by their products um, to prioritizing public health over trade in tobacco. So so really strong uh, set of tobacco control provisions that now have been ratified by more than 160 countries around the world. Um, and, and recently in South Africa, uh, the all of the ratifying countries, so, so 161 nations, came together to really look at how to best implement um, the, the treaty on an ongoing basis and protect this public health policy from, from ongoing interference by big tobacco. So uh, are you asking for tobacco to be banned altogether worldwide? No. The, what the treaty calls for and what our campaign has called for 
is a set of, of changes in the way the tobacco industry does business to to really significantly reduce its ability to to hook people to its products, um, but really focused on looking at the the way that the tobacco industry has marketed to to young people for decades. You know, here in the U.S. Um, starting in the in the mid fifties, when the when Philip Morris, the industry leader, developed the Marlboro Man, um, the Marlboro Man image was designed, and its creator actually called it the perfect image to capture the youth market's fancy. Um, so you know there there are just a long list of, of internal documents to to back up the fact that the tobacco industry's uh, approach to generating new customers has been um, targeting kids with its marketing. And so what we've called for is for them to stop, stop doing that. The Global Tobacco Treaty, which, which countries have negotiated, actually takes it a step further and says, you know what, the tobacco industry just insists that it doesn't market to kids, and so what we need to do is to ban all advertising, promotion, and sponsorship um, of tobacco. And so that's one of the, the key ways to, to stop the spread of tobacco addiction. It doesn't ban the production of the product, uh, but it looks at how does the industry um, spread addiction and, and really kind of cut that off. I mean, in fact, this is what has happened in the United States. The things you're talking about, it can't advertise. There's all kinds of restrictions on that. Exactly. And, and, and has it worked as far as you're concerned in the United States, or, or you need even more restrictions in the United States? Well, you know, I think that it's an area where we can always do better. Over the last uh, decade or so in the United States, we've consistently, smoke, consistently seen smoking rates among young people declining, which is really important in terms of the, the long, long-term health uh, impact and the lives that will be saved here in the U.S. Um, one of the you know, key sort of pieces of our campaign was to say, this is great that we're making a lot of progress in the U.S. There's still work to happen here, but what we can't afford is for us to protect people's health and lives here and just, you know, turn away while the industry expands throughout the, the world with a particular focus on the global south. And that's what's, you know, that's one of the things that's so exciting about the Global Tobacco Treaty is that the, the countries of the global south, you know, Africa, Latin America, countries throughout Asia were the leaders in this uh, in negotiating this treaty because as they articulated it uh, they just simply couldn't afford another health epidemic um, and this one was both preventable and driven by corporations and so uh, what we're starting to see is that some of the the changes that um, we've you know been able to make happen and many others here working in the US um, are sort of taking place now in countries throughout the world and what has been the response of the tobacco companies to your campaign? Well, that's interesting. You know, um, in when we were talking earlier about the increasing sophistication of of our adversaries, um, I think Philip Morris International is really uh, a corporation that has evolved in its sophistication and the way that it responds to to campaigns and pressure over the years. Uh, I think ultimately because they're facing so much pressure and so much demand uh, to change their practices. But if you, if you were to speak to a spokesperson at Philip Morris, they would say that they support the Global Tobacco Treaty, the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. The reality is that Philip Morris and, and the other tobacco transnationals have been working very hard to undermine 
its implementation <coughs> at the national level in countries all around the world. Um, but the official line would be that they support it. I mean, part of what you're saying as part of your campaign is you want to keep tobacco industry out of various kind of uh, treaty delegations and, um, you know, they not not play a role, actually, in, in all these deliberations of these various conferences. Is that right? That's exactly right. And that's, that's one of the things that's really groundbreaking about the Global Tobacco Treaty is that it actually includes a provision that calls on the countries that ratify the treaty to protect their health policy from the tobacco industry and other vested interests. Um, and so it's really... The, the first time in international law where countries have agreed that the influence and the interference of the, the industry that they're working to regulate is, is so significant um, and so sort of counter to the objectives of, of public health policy that they're going to come together and say, you know what, you need to stay away from the table. And so in the, the meeting last month in South Africa, countries came together uh, and developed a really strong set of guidelines for the parties that are implementing the treaty to say, this is what it means when we say to, you know, we're committed to protect our health policy from interference by the, the tobacco industry. This is what it means. And it, it lays out some specifics around you know, what role can the tobacco industry have in lobbying and drafting legislation um, and actually attending meetings that are related to, to the tobacco treaty. So it's a pretty exciting development, not just in terms of holding the tobacco industry accountable and, and to you know, protecting tobacco policy, but also in terms of the precedents it could set for other issue areas and other areas of corporate accountability. Again, if people want to get involved in uh, the tobacco campaign, what are some things that they can do? Well, right now, um, one of the, the big things, looking out at, at 2009, the opportunity that we have in front of us here in the U.S., is to renew the call for the United States to ratify the Global Tobacco Treaty. Um, the, the United States signed the treaty back in 2004, uh, but it, it hasn't gone anywhere under the Bush administration. And um, the next step is that the, the executive branch needs to um, submit the treaty to the Senate. And so we, we are having people go to our website, which is, again, stopcorporateabuse.org, um, and take action right away to call on... Um, Barack Obama to submit this treaty to the Senate for, for quick ratification. What difference would that make, based since a lot of these rules seem like they've already been applied to the United States, if we ratified that treaty, what difference would it make in America? Well, I think there are two key, key points here. One is that in terms of our national law on tobacco control, it's actually very lacking. Uh, we have a lot of changes that have been made at the, the local and state level. Um, and, you know, a lot of things that the tobacco industry has stopped doing because the public won't accept it anymore. Uh, and then a whole set of things that the industry agreed to through, through a voluntary agreement with the states back in 1998. But we don't have a comprehensive law that regulates the tobacco industry here in this country, and the, ratifying the Global Tobacco Treaty would commit the United States to take the next step to codify some of the changes and include it in our national law. 
And then the second thing is just, you know, from, from this issue to, to human rights, um, to the environment, the U.S. has been just a very bad player on the international scene for a long time in terms of coming together and working positively uh, on international treaties. And this is an opportunity to join 162 countries now that have ratified the treaty, um, to join in the international community, to, to commit to protecting people's health and lives here in the U.S., but around the world. And so, again, what are some of the, if we ratify the treaty, some specific things that Americans might notice differently about how tobacco is treated than if it's being treated today? Sure. There are, um, there'd be increased restrictions that would become part of our national law around advertising, promotion, and sponsorship. Um, there's also, there's really um, a strong provision in this treaty around labeling uh, tobacco products. So the warning labels on tobacco products would be um, increased in, in size. Another thing would be that the United States would also commit to this provision that the tobacco industry can't interfere in our public health policy making. Um, so we wouldn't have Philip Morris, you know, really allowed to be at the table in drafting and um, coming up with our national legislation. I see. Okay, very good. We're going to go to a break. Again, I'm speaking, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and I'm speaking with Patty Lynn, uh, who is the campaign's director of Corporate Accountability International. Uh, a Boston-based organization that's uh, waging various kinds of campaigns to make uh, companies more accountable. We've talked so far about uh, uh, bottled water industry and the um, uh, tobacco industry. Uh, we're going to talk about many more campaigns they're involved in. Their website, again, is stopcorporateabuse.org if you want to find out more about what Corporate Accountability International is doing. We'll be back after this. we talk about is money, call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all the time. time. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Sell, buy, buy, sell. All we talk about is money. Talk to an expert. Call now. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Patty Lynn, who's Campaign's Director of Corporate Accountability International, a Boston-based organization that's trying to make companies uh, more accountable in various ways. Welcome back to the show, Patty. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, one of the other uh, uh, targets, I guess you might say, that you've had, you started this way and you're back on them again, is Nestle. Uh, what are some of the specific things that they're doing that you're trying to get them to change today? Sure. The big focus of our, our challenge to, to Nestle right now is um, around their, their role in the bottled water industry. So Nestle is one of the, the three largest water bottlers in the world, joining Coke and Pepsi. Um, and our, our concerns around Nestle are really uh, the way that they're operating in communities around the world. Um, so as we talked about a little bit earlier in terms of you know, going into um, a community like Macosta County, uh, Michigan, in northern Michigan, um, and really just overriding really significant community concerns around the, the siting and then operating of a bottling plant, uh, drawing massive amounts of water, so more than 500,000 gallons a day uh, from a nearby aquifer, and then really resisting uh, community calls for change. And so in the, the case of Michigan, the, the local community has been challenging Nestle's practices for a number of years now and, and won some significant victories along the way. But Nestle you know, is just a, a big corporate bully, to be honest, and has taken this, this community and their concerns through the court system up to the state Supreme Court in, in Michigan. Um, and so fundamentally, we're concerned with you know, the whole growth of the bottled water industry, the really explosive growth of that industry over the last 10 to 15 years, and what that means for um, where we're headed in terms of valuing water as a common resource. Um, but Nestle in particular plays a very um, just bad role in this industry. Tell us what happened last time. You, went, you really started 30 years ago with Nestle. What That's ended right. up happening with the infant formula, uh, you know, uh, whole situation there? Yeah. So at the, the time in the late 70s, you know, Nestle uh, was really aggressively marketing infant formula. Uh, they were expanding into the global south, uh, you know, in countries across Africa, throughout Latin America, um, and, and other places in the world. Um, and the, the you know, bottom line was that they were convincing um, through their marketing and, and promotional tactics, they were convincing moms that infant formula uh, was healthier than breast milk. Um, and so, you know, in, in large numbers, moms were switching away, wanting to do the best thing for their baby um, and provide, you know, using infant formula under conditions where it really wasn't safe. And so, you know, in, in large numbers of cases, um, the infant formula was mixed with water that wasn't safe for babies to be drinking, um, or moms wouldn't have enough, you know, resources and money to continue to buy enough infant formula, and so they'd water it down. So there were really serious issues of, of malnutrition. Um, and so the, the impact on the health of, of babies throughout the Global South was just really devastating. Um, and the, the campaign was sort of 
launched through concern um, that rose out of, you know, health professionals that were working with people throughout the developing world uh, and then connecting with students and, and faith communities here in the U.S. to say this is just absolutely unacceptable. Um, and the, the campaign grew. It actually started um, on the University of Minnesota's campus, um, but there were some some really significant you know, early players, including the, the Interface Center on Corporate Responsibility, which is still around doing great shareholder activism work today. Um, and a set of people you know, built a coalition uh, to take on Nestle. And so it, it spread through. So, so what was the end result of all this? In the end, uh, there are a couple of really significant things that happened. Nestle themselves agreed to a sweeping set of changes in their, their practices, and the World Health Organization got involved um, and actually passed a, a code of conduct um, around infant formula marketing. And so there was you know, direct action taken by Nestle. The World Health Organization got involved, and so um, you know, countries around the world could use that as a tool um, to, to challenge what Nestle was doing. So there were some really significant changes in Nestle's practices. And then the truth is that there have been ongoing you know, infractions and very deep concerns about Nestle's uh, ongoing marketing of infant formula and other practices, and there are still you know, uh, a good set of organizations around the world that, that continue to focus on and highlight those, including the International Baby Food Action Network in the U.K., so you did make some progress, but it's not over yet, as you're saying in that case. It's true. There was some significant progress. And, you know, in, in a lot of these cases, challenging transnational corporations, uh, it requires ongoing vigilance to, to keep, uh, you know, the changes in place. Now, part of what uh, Corporate Accountability International has is what's called the Hall of Shame. Is that That's right? That's right. This is yeah. not the Hall of Fame. This is the Hall of Shame. <laughs> what, what does it take to get into the Hall of Shame? And what are some of your recent inductees? Sure. Um, the, the Corporate Hall of Shame is a project that, that Corporate Accountability International and our allies um, created to really expose egregious corporate abuse. Um, and so people across the country and around the world, in fact, nominate uh, corporations for the Hall of Shame. And so you know, there's a long list of, of possible inductees um, every year, and so, but it's really a, a matter of who's rising to the top. Um, and so there's um, you know, the list of, of corporations that were nominated last year actually included Nestle for some of the things that we were just talking about, um, Countrywide, Mattel, um, and then the, there are three corporations that were actually the, the quote-unquote The kind winners. of winners or losers, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was Blackwater, um, Archer, Daniels Midland, and Walmart. And so, uh, you know, a lot of um, what our experience in the, the Hall of Shame there, actually last year alone there are more than 30,000 votes that were cast. And so it's, um, it's really kind of opened our eyes to the fact that, that people um, across the country are really frustrated with, with a whole range of corporate abuse and are, are looking for ways to express that frustration. And so the Hall of Shame has become one way that people can vote for uh, the corporation that they think is the, the worst offender that year. So when did you start doing the Hall of Shame? Uh, we've actually, we've had, you know, a couple different versions of the Hall of Shame, and, and we originally uh, kicked off the idea back in 1996. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, that was our, the original 
major focus of it was was specifically looking at the corporate influence um, in over health policy lined up with um, you know the some of the specific abuses and, and human environmental impact that corporations were having having uh, but it's been sort of evolving over over those the last I guess 12 years now so has it made a difference have some companies that were in the Hall of Shame uh, changed their uh, behavior because of it yeah, it actually has made a difference, which is, has been exciting. Um, it's actually a number of years ago now, but one of the, the corporations that we were challenging was Columbia HCA, which was uh, the largest uh, for-profit healthcare corporation at the time. Um, and as actually kind of funny, in the, the year that um, Columbia HCA was inducted into the Hall of Fame, which was 2000, um, the CEO at the time was Thomas Frist. And his quote to the Wall Street Journal about being inducted was, um, I can't tell you how much that hurts. Um, so it, it obviously has, has had an impact at the highest levels of corporations. But um, Columbia HCA actually changed a whole set of its practices in part in response to, to the pressure that they were coming under uh, through the Hall of Shame. And so some of the particular changes that they made were around um, really significantly cutting back on the lobbying that they were doing at state and federal levels, uh, but also you know, shifting some of the, the practices that communities were deeply concerned about in terms of shutting down uh, or taking over you know, not-for-profit hospitals and, and working to run them for a profit. So we, we saw some significant changes there, and um, you know, it was just a really uh, gratifying part of working on the Hall of Shame. And how about some more recent cases from recent years? Have there been companies in the Hall of Shame that have changed their uh, behavior because of being in the Hall of Shame? Um, you know, I can't actually point to um, another significant victory yet. Um, and so, you know, how, how do the companies typically react when they get into the Hall of Shame? Um, Silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I'm trying to think if we've had any any notable reaction, and it's interesting because you know in doing this work, one of the things that that I've learned over the years is that the advice that um, our the corporations that we're challenging often uh, receive is to to not actually react publicly uh, to the greatest extent possible, and so often. No, there's not, uh, there's not much of a reaction from the, the corporation directly. Okay. We're going to go to a break. Uh, this again is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Patty Lim, who's a cap- campaigns director at Corporate Accountability International. Uh, and we'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in 
in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve Total Wealth Management. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three-Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Money, money, money. up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Patty Lynn, who's Campaigns Director at Corporate Accountability International. Welcome back, Patty. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, before we go a little further with the uh, recent Hall of Shame uh, inductees, um, tell people again how they can contact you both by website and phone number and what they might find at those places. Sure. Uh, our website is stopcorporateabuse.org, and the phone number is 800-688-8797. And both by, by website and by calling and talking to one of our, our organizers here, um, by getting in touch with us, I think the most important thing is that you can get plugged into an opportunity to, to really challenge corporate abuse to one of our campaigns, whether it's Think Outside the Bottle or our Corporate Hall of Shame or Challenging Big Tobacco. Um, we also on our website have some great action guides for taking action in your own community. Particularly in this environment we're in now, where we have a recession, a kind of economic contraction, uh, how does that affect companies' views towards corporate responsibilities? It's become much less important, and they're just trying to survive and do whatever they can to become profitable, and, and your causes are not as well received as during better times? Well, I think what we've seen over the last few years is that the, the public really is looking for corporations um, to do better. And, and really has become less accepting of looking the other way when you know, corporations are, are hurting people in the environment. And so I think it's actually become you know, part of the equation in terms of um, being a successful corporation, having a positive brand image. Um, you know, part of that is, is really not creating major problems in terms of public health or the environment. And, and how are corporations uh, responding to shareholder proxies and various kinds of other pressures, again, in this environment compared to when times were better? Yeah, I think it's really, you know, times are, are definitely tight, and, and the economy is, is a huge factor in the, the mindset of, of everybody from, you know, ordinary folks on the street to, to corporate CEOs. I think that... Um, in looking at how to how to sort of 
rebuild the confidence of the public um, in corporate America after some of the, the just you know terrible things that have happened uh, that have really exposed corporate greed in the last few months. Um, that corporations are going to need to be thinking about how do we how do we operate in a you know a more sort of positive way and, and contribute less to. Um, overall societal problems, and I think that that it's just increasingly part of the the equation. And so I think um, you know corporate response to things like shareholders resolutions um, are really going to even more so as we move ahead. I think you know be uh, they're going to need to really look at you know what are consumers telling us here? What is what is our public image? Um, you know look like and and what can we do to to continue to make changes that respond to people's concerns you talked about greed uh, particularly the area of wall street and all of what's happened there with subprime and uh the bailouts and so on is, is that an area that you're uh, becoming active in well it's an area that we have definitely you know had a lot of interest in from from members and activists across the country in terms of starting to to look ahead um, to nominations for our, for our hall of shame and we haven't looked closely at the names that are coming in now heading into 2009 um, but certainly you know one of the corporations that didn't receive the top tier of votes but got a lot of attention in 2008's hall of shame was countrywide um, and you know as a, a central player in the mortgage mortgage meltdown, um, there was just a lot of public scrutiny and concern about that corporation's practices. So are, what are areas are you looking for in 2009 in the financial sector particularly? Uh, I mean, as far as mortgage modifications or other areas that financial companies might be changing their behavior? Yeah, I think that, you know, what we need to, to look at in 2009 um, in terms of the financial sector is really... Um, Taking a different perspective in in terms of how these corporations are regulated and the regulated and the oversight of the federal government, and I think that you know one of the things that we've been concerned about over the last couple years is a, a very sort of weak role of the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, and so um, we are looking ahead to you know a new appointment under the Obama administration and a new I think renewed climate here in this country that that says that, you know, corporations just can't, you know, operate outside of, of the rules of, um, you know, what's actually fair and, and going to create a society that we are all going to, to really do well in. And then one of your big uh, Hall of Shame uh, inductees this year was Walmart, which is clearly a lightning rod for a lot of people. Right. Uh, uh, what are you objecting to particularly about what Walmart's doing and, and what are some of the things you're proposing that they do to make things better? Well, you know, when we work, um, when a corporation gets inducted into the Hall of Shame, we really look at kind of the range of abuses and, and what are coming up as, as the concerns um, of people and allied organizations that are, are concerned about a particular corporation. So in terms of Walmart, you know, there's a, a really broad spectrum from displacing local businesses um, to failing to cover employees under the corporation's health plan. And then also really strongly opposing legislation that would increase homeland security. Um, and so um, there, there are a set of organizations particularly strong you know, coming out of the labor movement that have been challenging Walmart around their, their failure to provide health coverage for their workers uh, that we believe is one of the, the real central issues. 
So that's what you've been doing with Walmart. Uh, Blackwater is another of your companies that you've been targeting. What, what are you uh, looking for there, Patty? Well, you know, in our concern with, uh, with Blackwater and the, the reason it actually was the top vote-getter in the 2008 Hall of Shame is that um, their, their range of abuses is actually just incredibly frightening. Um, you know, Blackwater Worldwide is a for-profit corporation of trained soldiers and uh, security professionals. Um, but really, you know, another, another name for Blackwater could be uh, mercenaries. Um, they've been accused of killing unarmed Iraqi civilians, um, hiring paramilitaries trained under military dictatorships, and using its, its close political and financial ties with the Bush administration to secure really lucrative contracts. And so, you know, a really kind of fundamental um, issue of profiteering from this really devastating wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, the response, the public response to Blackwater's abuses last year made it very clear uh, that that was an area of, of high concern for people and, you know, that... Um, it just was completely unacceptable. And then your last in, inductee to the Hall of Shame this year was Archer Daniels Midland. What have they done wrong, and what are you asking them to do differently? Yeah, the, um, some of the, the concern around Archer Daniels Midland is actually related to their contribution to global warming um, and concerns around deforestation. Uh, that was the sort of specific reason for their nomination in the, the Hall of Shame last year. Um, and due to the the range of, of practices that, that ADM was engaged in in Indonesia, um, they actually managed to make Indonesia the world's worst contributor to, to global warming, or one of them, actually, after the U.S. and China, um, through its clearing of endangered forests and wildlife hab habitat for palm plantations. Um, and, and actually, the, the organizations that are leading the campaign and challenging ADM around this set of abuses are Greenpeace and Rainforest Action Network. Um, so the, probably the best way to get more information about ADM is to go to the Rainforest Action Network's website, which is RAN, R-A-N.org, um, to get more information and get involved. Well, in summing up them, why don't you give a, an overall view of, of what Corporate Accountability International has done and, and what your big challenges are for 2009, and again, give people your website, how they can find out more about you. Sure. So Corporate Accountability International has been around for, for 30 years, waging and winning campaigns challenging some of the most powerful and dangerous corporations in the world, uh, starting with Nestle in the late 70s, uh, General Electric for their role in the nuclear weapons industry through the mid 1980s into the early 90s, challenging big tobacco, and right now leading a major campaign challenging corporate control of our water uh, with a, a big national piece of that campaign under the, the banner of Sink Outside the Bottle. And so you know, looking ahead to, to 2009, uh, we have, there's a lot of, of momentum behind you know, creating change here in the U.S. and around the world and seizing opportunities and, and plugging people who are concerned about these issues into action. And we are, we're a great place to get involved because we have really specific actions that people can take from their communities you know, to, to calling directly on CEOs. CEOs to make changes. Um, the best way to get in touch with us, there are two ways. One is to check out our website, and you can sign up to get more involved there, and that's stopcorporateabuse.org. Um, or you can call our campaign headquarters at 
888-688-8797 and ask to speak to one of our organizers uh, to get more involved in our campaigns. Terrific. Well, thanks very much, Patty. I've been speaking with Patty Lynn, who's the campaign's director at Corporate Accountability International. A lot of things they're doing you might be interested in. Thanks so, so thanks much, again, Jordan. Patty, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.